First reading is from the book of 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the geniusness of your faith, being more precious than gold that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated if you're standing here. Well, last week we had the blessing of celebrating Easter. If you were with us, you heard the brass and the glorious worship. It was a tremendous blessing to those of us that were here and hopefully for many of you that were at home. But it's not quite the same. 
as being in the sanctuary, as being with other believers, uh, to gather together to rub shoulders. And another way that we rub shoulders is just spending time together out and about in the community. And it's interesting because the reason, or at least part of the reason, I'm dressed the way I am today is because today would have been the Heritage Finals. This week would have been the Heritage. And as much as we are grieving not being together for worship, some of us are also grieving that there was no Heritage this week. I personally was grieving because I was supposed to be in the Pro-Am on Wednesday. So there's a personal grief. I actually was going to do the prayer at the Monday ceremony as well when they did the kickoff because uh, Kerry Corbett was going to be honored and he asked me if I'd do the prayer. So I'm missing many privileged opportunities and things I love to do this week. And so if you think about it, life has changed dramatically. And at one level or another, we're all struggling. We're struggling not being together for worship, many of us. We're struggling not being together in community. We're struggling not enjoying social events like the heritage. We're struggling, some of us, significantly economically. We're struggling with friends and family members that might be sick. We're struggling with people we even know that have died. And we can't even be together for those critical things in our lives. Now, it's interesting because if you heard the gospel reading for today... The gospel reading for today, the apostles were struggling. I don't know if you heard it. it, The gospel in many ways today is broken down into three segments. The first is when Jesus first appears that first Easter evening with his apostles. Then the second is the following week with Thomas. And then the third, John is basically telling you, this is the reason I wrote the purpose of the book. I don't know how many of you remember when you were in English class, you had to come up with the theme, you had to come up with the purpose of the book and all that kind of stuff. That was sometimes difficult for me, particularly since I was a Cliff Notes guy. But, but the reality is, is that we're supposed to understand the purpose, particularly John tells you this is the purpose of the gospel. But let's start with the apostles in the upper room. Jesus shows up first time that everyone sees him. Mary Magdalene had already seen him, and she and a few of the other women were probably in the upper room that first evening. And the apostles were there, and Jesus comes through locked doors, his resurrected body. And think about the state of the apostles at that moment. The state of the apostles at that moment were, they were frightened and fearful. They were doubtful. They had spent three years with Jesus who defined their lives during that three-year period. And he was gone. He was dead. And even though they had rumors of resurrection, they weren't convinced. And so they're huddled in that upper room and all of a sudden, Jesus comes through these locked doors and they're startled and they're astonished, terrified, and yet joyful. And Jesus says the first word that they needed to hear, peace. Peace be with you. That's the word they needed to hear at that point. It's the word that we need to hear a lot of us at different times in our lives. We need peace. We need calm. We need to have that sense of security. 
That's what people are looking for today. So that's scene one, or paragraph one. Paragraph two, we come to good old Thomas. Now Thomas was probably the first one who was doing social distancing and isolating. He was apart, but not for the same reasons we're doing this. Because in fact, he too was probably frightened, full of doubts as we hear in the words that he says. We don't know what he was doing, maybe with family, maybe with other friends. Maybe he was just off by himself. But clearly he was grieving. And he was angry because Jesus appeared to the other apostles and not to him. So we've got all kinds of things going on with Thomas, and yet Jesus comes once again, peace. And he reveals himself. What a joyful moment for Thomas. He's the first one to declare that Jesus is God, my Lord and my God. And then we come to John's statement. Let me tell you why I'm writing this. So that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And by believing, you'll have life in his name. And those are key elements for us every day, today especially, with all the questions that we have going on in our lives. So that you believe that Jesus is risen. In other words, Jesus has conquered the fear, the doubt, the resurrection reveals that. And that you might have life when a lot of people are struggling with what life should look like right now. Life. Now I want you to keep that in mind as we move to Peter's letter. Because we're going to talk about the epistle. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. If you're looking at home, you can maybe grab your Bible. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Where Peter, after greeting everybody in his letter, and he's talking to a dispersed church who's under persecution right now and suffering. He writes to them in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There it is. A living hope. When they were walking with Jesus, they had a hope. But they weren't quite sure what that hope looked like, what the messiahship would look like once he established his messiahship. And then he died on the cross. So where was the hope at that point? The one who had defined life for them. For three years, they put their faith and trust in him, sort of. And now he's resurrected, a living hope. Peter is stressing that. Particularly Peter, who denied him. Even got so angry, he swore to keep people away from him. And Peter says, we have a living hope. New birth. That's what it's based on. Understanding whatever terminology you use, born from above, born again, new birth. That's what happens when we experience faith. That this life is about death. This world is decaying. We have lots of evidence today. If you hope in this world and the things of this world, you will be disappointed. This is a 
new birth into a living hope, Jesus Christ, that we're born again through faith, trusting Jesus in the cross. And then what Peter goes on to say is what we're blessed with, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, that we have something that is indestructible. It's infinite. It's eternal. And it's waiting for us in heaven. When so many people are concerned with what's going to happen to my life, my lifestyle, my retirement fund. The retirement fund through Jesus Christ is great. It's perfect. But we have to die to get there. There's no retirement in this world, in this life. In this life, what we do is we live in that living hope, that resurrected life, that confidence in Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter is saying. Peter, who struggled, was in that upper room. He was hiding. John heard him from the cross say, though, it is finished to tell us die. It's paid for. I've paid for your sin, your brokenness, your fear, your doubt your failures, everything about your life that is painful, I've taken care of. I've got you for all eternity. Trust me. Trust me. Then Peter begins to unpack for this church that has been dispersed through persecution, suffering. He says how this happens. Who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. The power of God. See, if you're trusting in anything besides God and his power, you're in trouble. Because everything in this world at one point will fail. Everything. Everything material, everything physical. Everything in this world. What you trust in for this life, if you're not trusting in God to protect you, to keep you whole, to keep you strong, which is what we all need right now. We need that protection. We need him to hold us fast because we don't have the strength. You know, Peter, who lacked confidence before the resurrection, who denied Jesus, ran to the upper room, was fearful, even when he saw the empty tomb, wasn't quite sure. Now he sees the resurrected Lord. He has a new confidence. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the apostles, now he goes out boldly and preaches. He's willing to face persecution. He's willing to face jail and beatings and eventually death. He has a confidence. Why? Because it's not in his human strength. He saw how that worked. His human strength didn't work. His own willpower didn't work. You know, every time Peter started relying on himself, he'd sink, literally. Stepping out of the boat, he'd sink. And what he learned over time, you can't trust yourself. You can't trust human strength. And that's why he says, God has protected this for you. The power of the cross to defeat those sins, those failures, those struggles, the pain. The power of the resurrection to prove. The power of the Holy Spirit to change your heart, change your mind, change your life. If you but trust him. But this is in a realistic situation, just so you're aware of that. And he certainly was. In this you rejoice even if 
for now, a little while, you have to suffer various trials. That doesn't mean we don't go through life unscathed. Anybody who thinks you go through this life unscathed, you're in trouble. Every, everyone who thinks that's how it should happen, you're in trouble because it doesn't happen that way. You don't go through this life without pain or struggle or suffering. Because if you love, you're going to lose people. You're going to lose relationships. At some point, you're going to lose health. We struggle. We suffer. And Jesus was realistic about this with his apostles, his disciples who would follow him from the beginning. His Sermon on the Mount. He said, when people persecute you, when you go through various trials. He didn't say if. And in the the very next chapter in Matthew, Matthew 5 to Matthew 6, Matthew 6, still in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Where we pray, deliver us from evil. Why? Because we experience evil. We all experience evil. There is evil in this world. This coronavirus is evil. Because it makes people sick because it kills. There is evil that other people do to you, sometimes on purpose, sometimes just because they're just being themselves. Not on purpose, not intentional to hurt you, but they do. There's evil that we do. And that's why it's important to remember that that is a part of this life that we have to encounter, that we have to pray about. That we have struggles, we have problems. There is evil, there is suffering because of the evil. We live in a fallen world. But I love what Paul writes in in Romans. Romans chapter 5. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings. Paul says it in a little different way. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Same thing that Peter started off by saying. This living hope. Hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. That's why. When you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, not yourself, not your strength, not on the circumstances of this world, this life. We get through the sufferings, not only get through them, if you caught what Peter said, if you caught what Paul said, if you caught what Jesus said in the upper room, with joy even. And that's sometimes hard for us to fathom. It's hard for people in the world to fathom that. How can you be joyful? How can you be peaceful amidst this struggle, this suffering, this pain, the challenges that you've experienced in your life? How do you do that? You do that through his strength, through his power, through the cross and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit working in you that changes you. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what's going on. We can give thanks. We can rejoice. When we have the power of God working in us and with us, and even through us. And then Peter gets to this wonderful verse toward the end. So that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold, though perishable, is tested by fire. Now let's talk about that a second. The genuineness of your faith. 
You know, faith is easy when everything's going well. Did you ever notice that? I mean, when everything's just cruising along and everything's going wonderfully well. Praise God. This is great. I love life. When I'm playing golf well. I love this game. Just ask Keith. I say it all the time. (laughs) But it doesn't always go well. And yet we're told, even amidst the struggles, that what we have is more precious than gold. Think about right now. If you had a mound of gold, a thousand bars of gold at home, whatever health care you needed, you could buy. Whatever toilet paper you need, you could buy. You know, and we think that's what gives security and comfort and strength. The reality is it's not because you can't buy faith and you can't buy salvation and you can't buy peace and you can't buy love. That which is unseen, you can't buy. You can buy a lot of what you see. But see, it's that unseen. The coronavirus really is unseen. You realize that? You can't see it with the naked eye. You can see the effects of it. You can see the effects of it even when people don't have it. In their fear, in how they're operating, with the economy. It has ramifications, but you can't see the coronavirus. You can't see faith. You can see the effects of faith. And it's more precious than gold. When you really understand what we've been given, it's more precious than gold. You can't buy what you want and really need deep down in you because it's granted by the Lord. It's protected by the Lord. It's secured by the Lord, the cross and the resurrection. That's what we want. That's what we need. You know, part of the reason why I'm dressed this way, part of it is to make a point about golf. 17 years ago, I gave up racquetball and took up golf. And I watched my scores go from the 110s to the 100s to the 90s, which I still hit occasionally. (laughs) But the 80s, I shot an 80 a week ago. I've been in the 70s a few times. You know, and every time I think I've got this game down, it is really a problem. Because you never get the game down perfectly. You know, I've jokingly said, when I hear on TV, Meredith will hear me say this, when someone's hit a perfect shot, a perfect shot is in the hole. A perfect score is an 18. No one has that kind of skill. The pros don't come close to an 18. You know, golf is one of those games that you can love, and yet it's full of disappointments. Last year at the Heritage, I was one of the alternates for the Pro-Am, and I was practicing. It was early in the morning, and um, I got called up. Terry Finger came and got me and said, Rev, we need you right now. Tee box number 10. So I ran down there, and who's there but Dustin Johnson? 
So I got to step in as the alternate with Dustin Johnson, the number one player in the world. And I remember I didn't feel totally warmed up yet because it was like 7 o'clock in the morning and I'd gotten there at 6.30 and I had a cup of coffee and was just starting to hit balls. So I get to the first tee box and I said, Lord, just a good drive. (laughs) And I don't usually pray for things like that. And I actually did fairly well and ended up with a bogey. Dustin had a par. I was thrilled. Halfway through the hole, the guy that was late showed up. I got to play one hole with Dustin Johnson. I was heartbroken. Larry Satolo is my caddy. He said, oh. And I saw John Farrell a couple days ago. Meredith and I were doing a bike ride down in Harbortown. And uh, John said, Greg, we're getting the heritage. Thrilled. No spectators, though. Okay. No pro-am. <laughs> I kind of knew that. But, you know, that's life. Life is full of disappointments. The golf game is really one of the reasons I love it. It's a reflection of life. You have such joy at certain shots when you hit them. And you have such pain. There's hazards throughout the golf course. That's the reality. We were playing, Keith and Larry and Rick McDevitt and I were playing um, on Thursday. And I have this drive that goes, it's baby fade, and I usually pull it a little left. I, I think I hit three trees on my drive that day. Trees are hazards. The sand, I was in the sand quite a number of times. Twice on one hole. I was in the water once. I didn't go out of bounds. So I did okay. But golf is full of hazards. And none of us have the perfect game, so we've got to manage the hazards. We've got to manage ourselves. And I remember years ago reading this book, and occasionally I keep it in mind, not often enough. It's called Golf Sacred Journey. And there's a, there's a movie that's been made uh, about this book. It's called Seven Days in Utopia. It's a great movie. And in it, there's this wonderful line, this wonderful mindset. It's called, see it, feel it, trust it. You envision the shot that you want to hit. And then you take in the shot. You feel it. You embrace it. And then you say, now I need to trust that what I see in my mind and what I feel, I can now trust. And so you hit the shot. Unfortunately, my swing's not normal. So I can't always really trust it, but I try to go through that exercise. Let's translate that to faith. See it. What are we seeing? Because so much about the faith life, the faith walk, is the unseen. Because the infinite is unseen. The spiritual is unseen. So we envision Jesus on the cross. His arms open wide saying, I did this for you because I love you. And then we see the resurrected Lord where he's actually able to put those arms around the apostles. He's able to offer himself to Thomas, go ahead, touch me. So the sea becomes a feel. And feelings can be fleeting unless... They're impressed in our hearts and our minds and our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we feel 
his presence. We feel his grace. We feel his love. We know his peace. So we envision him. And we allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate his grace, his love, his presence into our hearts and minds. And then we trust him. And that's what Peter's saying. I thought I trusted him before. Well, he discovered when he was sinking in the water, when he stepped out of the boat, well, maybe not all, all the time. Maybe not fully. And then when Jesus was arrested and he was confronted and he denied knowing him, well, maybe not really. But then he saw the empty tomb and the risen Lord. And then he felt his presence in the upper room and his forgiveness and his grace and his peace and love. And then he trusted him. And that's what we need right now. We need that every day. It's just like the golf course. There's hazards. Our game, our lives, it's not perfect. We live so much focused on the fears and the doubts and the questions instead of on him and trusting him. So right now, see him in your mind's eye. On the cross, his arms open wide for you. See him risen. Feel his grace and his presence, the power of the Holy Spirit, and trust him. No matter what you're going through, trust him. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a fallen world full of brokenness, mistakes and failures and sin, lots of hazards, our own and other people's. Lord, as much as we would love to live the perfect life, have a perfect score, we are imperfect. We are fallible. We're weak. Lord, right now, we open our hearts and our minds to you that amidst the sin in our lives, we would find your forgiveness and your grace. When we struggle, we would find a savior. When we need strength and comfort and peace, we would know a Lord. When we need love, we would know a shepherd to walk through life with. Lord, help us this day to see you before us. Arms open wide on the cross, risen Lord. To know the power of your Holy Spirit that you protect us. We cannot protect ourselves by our own strength, by our own wills. And that we can trust you now, no matter what we're going through. Because of or not even because of the coronavirus. That we can trust you with all that we have, all that we are, all that we need. Unto eternity. Unfading, undefiled. Unto eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.